Creative Sandbox Way podcast, episode 184. Hello, I am Melissa Dinwiddie, and I believe that life is too short not to express the innate creativity inside of you. So I wrote a book called The Creative Sandbox Way, based around 10 guideposts that I developed to get myself out of creative stuck and back to the sense of playful creativity that I naturally had when I was a four-year-old. That book was just the tip of the iceberg. I continue the conversation each week with this podcast. Let's jump in. It's my birth month, November, and to celebrate my birthday, I'm holding a virtual play day this Saturday, November 17th. This Saturday, come into my studio virtually. That's why it's called a virtual play day, not a regular play day. I am having a regular play day, Creative Sandbox play day on the 25th, this Sunday, after Thanksgiving. So you can come to that too. But meanwhile, this Saturday, come to my birthday celebration, virtual play day. You can come watch me make art and talk about my process. And you can create your own art right alongside me from 10am to noon Pacific time. I will answer your questions in real time. And let's make art together. You must register in advance for this live only event. I'm not going to be sending out a recording because it's just not the same to just watch me make art on a recording as it is to come make art in real time together. So go to virtualplayday.com to sign up. That's virtualplayday.com. And if you happen to be in or around Silicon Valley, California, then you can come join me at the (laughs) in-person Creative Sandbox Play Day on November 25th. That is a half-day co-working retreat where we come together in 3D, in real life, as well as real time. Come together with other artists and writers and creatives and makers to create together in community in, in like a real physical room together. Because, you know, we all know how hard it is to create in isolation. So come work on a creative project, or just play with art supplies, yours or mine, in the company of others. And it's just $25 for the whole day. Virtual Play Day is totally free. Just go to virtualplayday.com to sign up. Creative Sandbox Play Day is $25. And you can go to creativesandboxplayday.com for all the details and to sign up. And yeah, that's it. So those are the uh, announcements. So (laughs) let's get on with the podcast. Since she was a child, Anne-Marie Rowley was fascinated with music and photography and art, but she never thought she was good enough to put it out there. Yeah, I know she's not alone because a lot of us, a lot of us feel that way or have felt that way at various times in our lives. However, after going through some major life changes, Anne-Marie has been starting to put her work out in public spaces and use it as a conversation starter 
to think about the next phase of her life. And when she heard my interview on the Type A Creative Podcast, something really cracked open for Anne-Marie. It was the first time she heard someone give her permission to be a passion pluralite. Uh, She's not the first person that I've heard that from. And it was the first time that Anne-Marie heard someone discuss the problem of perfectionist paralysis, as well as the importance of being curious. So Anne-Marie started binging on my podcast. I've heard other people say that too. And she began using art to make sense of all the changes in her life and to answer some life questions. And then she heard me speak about putting it out there. And she has jumped in. And she says, and I quote, since listening to you and Jenny, Jenny Heffernan Brown of the Type A Creative Podcast, since listening to you and Jenny a few months ago, I tried painting and even wrote poetry that I read in an open mic. Not good poetry, but poetry. And I say fist bump to that, man. You know, it's not about being good. It's about just doing it. And I've included a link in the show notes, a link to her YouTube channel, if you want to hear some of her open mic evolution. It takes courage to put yourself out there. It takes a lot of courage. I first encountered Anne-Marie when she tagged me on Instagram, where she was sharing her doodles, her visual art. And the messages in her art spoke to me so, so profoundly, so profoundly, So I knew I had to invite her to do a listener spotlight on the podcast, because it is so important for us to hear each other's stories and to see how powerfully we impact one another, because we do. We do. So have a listen and let me know which parts of Anne-Marie's story resonate with you the most. Enjoy. So I met Anne-Marie Rowley, met, I mean, we haven't actually, this is the first time we're actually meeting, but I, I found you on Instagram because I think you tagged me in one of your posts and you had discovered me on the type A creative because I had done an interview with Jen over there and yeah, you tagged me there and I was just so impressed by what you were posting and you were, you were just sharing all sorts of things about getting over perfectionism and that you were inspired by my interview and I wanted to have you on the podcast. So here you are. Welcome. I'm so glad to have you. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, yeah, it was really interesting. I had been listening to the Type A Creative because originally I had thought it was going to be type A's who are creative, but actually it was creatives who were type A. <laughs> there is a difference. Um, but no, she's got a great podcast there, and I do love her interviews. And I happened to hear yours. And uh, it was the first time that somebody actually put a word to having multiple interests <laughs> and giving permission for it. Uh, and cause I just kept hearing my mother over and over again, just pick one. And I'm like, but there's a whole big world out there. So uh, 
Yeah, it was uh, it was eye opening, and I stayed and I listened, and a lot of what you said was resonating with me because I've been really stuck creatively, and I was like, oh, I don't. There were things that I didn't have to do because I then immediately I. As soon as I pulled into my driveway, I started looking at your rules and I was like, <laughs> yes, I get this. Um, not having to be creative, that it's the, the process, it's not the product. It was just all of these different things and it was just a big aha moment for me. And then I'd heard you on, I started binge listening <laughs> the word, uh, to your podcast and you were talking about putting it out there, no matter whether it's perfect or not. Yeah. Just still put it out there. And when I put the first one out there, that's when I tagged you. Just wow. You know, so I would be accountable to somebody because I don't have a lot of followers or anything, but I just needed to be accountable for a moment to another creative person. And yeah. also to kind of thank you too for pushing me out of the nest a little bit. I love that. And you know, you know, it's such a great example of how how we impact each other. You know, it all ripples out because the fact that you did that, I mean, I don't I, I'm quite sure that there are lots of other people who have heard me interviewed on other podcasts or whatever, and for whatever reason, it spoke to them, right? On that day, you happened to hear that podcast. Maybe if you had heard it five years ago or a year, I mean, whatever, it, maybe it wouldn't have hit you in the, in the same way or whatever. Who knows? Right. But on that particular day, it was you were ready to hear what I was saying. And it, it spoke to you and it, it, it inspired you to start sharing your work. And you tagged me. Yes. And how many people have been inspired to share their work, but they didn't tag me, right? But the fact that you tagged me made such a difference to me. <laughs> like yeah. that was huge to me. It was, uh, like I said, I felt like I needed to be accountable. And also, you know, I've, I've taught people different things over the years. And it's always nice when a student comes back and says, you know, what you said made a difference. Yes. And um, I've always, my folks have always taught me to, you know, to say thank you. And that was the other part. So it was not only to be accountable, but to say thank you, because it did kind of open a floodgate. Part of what I've been going through too is there's a whole bunch of life changes. Being over, I'll I'll admit it, I'm over 50. Oh, me too. (laughs) (laughs) There's less caring about what society says that you should yes. be doing. Yeah. You know, a lot of your gremlins that you've talked about are not just things that you put on yourself, but kind of you heard growing up, maybe your parents were saying to themselves because yeah. they heard from their parents the same thing. Right. And uh, so I was, you're right. I was really ready at that moment to hear it, you know, in a short period of time, you know, your kids grow up, you become an empty nester. You know, I had been a caregiver to both my parents. They've both passed now. Uh, my partner passed away in January. So it was just like 
Wow. Oh, wow. It's time. It's time for me. And then I got the permission slip, which was <laughs> what I posted <laughs> yesterday. It's like, yes, I have a permission slip from me to me that you're allowed to do all of these things. Yeah. Well, I hadn't been aware, of course, of your Instagram feed before oh, you yeah. joined me. So I didn't know what, what you had been posting before that. But what I saw after you tagged me was just this, like you said, it was like a fl- like the floodgates, like yeah. it, it just this amazing, just fertile ground of just so much amazingness that inspired me. So that's how creativity works. You know, the more you create, the more you create. And the, and we inspire each other. So that's the beauty of it. Like you just posted this amazing permission slip that I shared in a story, an Instagram story, because it was so exciting and inspiring to me. We, you know, we fertilize each other. It's, it's, and that's it's how so, it works. And it's so funny because once you allow yourself to be a student, you allow yourself to be taught by so many different people and so many different age groups. I mean, there's people our age and there's always been the elders that we've learned from, but there's a whole group of younger people that I find so inspiring as well. So it's, yeah, it's creativity opens so many doors and makes so many connections. Uh, And you connect things in the world too. Yes. It opens up so much and it opens so much for me. Yeah. And you, you were mentioning how you, you care less as you get older and that there's something magical about being over 50. As I like to say, fewer F's are given the older you get. (laughs) I don't swear on the podcast, but I do in my regular life. And so you can fill in the blank there. (laughs) Fewer F's are given (laughs) the older I get. And there's also, there's been for me, and maybe you can relate to this as well, for me, it's been a huge relief in the sort of the loosening of my ego that, like you were mentioning that you've been, you learn from people your age, you learn from people who are older and you learn from people who are younger. And one of the things that I've been so appreciating as I get older is that I don't have such a tight grip on my ego. So I used to be, you know, not only just such a perfectionist, but also, oh my God, my ego was so clenched. And I, it's like, I felt like I had to be the one who, you know, had the idea and did the thing. And now I am able to let go of that. And be okay with being just an ordinary person and let other people have the idea and do the thing. And it's okay. I can let it go. Right. It lightens you up. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. I, I feel so much lighter now. And even just because I am going through a lot of these uh, different thoughts and just Posings. I mean, my hashtag most of the time is, you know, life questions, life answers. And the doodles have really freed me to think outside the box. Mm. 
And uh, growing up, you were taught you got to color in the lines. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was, it was mind blowing. It was like, I don't even have to have lines there. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> the heck with the lines. Dang it. You know, I'm just going to make a curvy line right here. And when I was watching you do your own doodles, you just like, just put a dot on the page. I was like, oh, that's all I have to do. <laughs> I can do that. I put a dot on the page and then it just kind of spiraled from there. But it's like, oh, that's all I have to do. <laughs> I know. I mean, if you think about it, we, we started learning like rules about how you're supposed to do creative stuff when yep. we were like five yep. or even younger than that. And so now here we are over 50 and we're unlearning all that crap, right? It's amazing because we, we're, we come into the, into the world out of our mother's wombs. We come in these like fully creative beings Yep. capable of just being completely creative, no rules, no wrong, process, not product, all of the, all of my creative sandbox yep. guideposts, that's like inherent, right? Yep. We come into the world with it. That's all there. And we have to relearn that stuff. It's not that we have to relearn it. We have to unlearn right. all of the other crap that gets layered and layered and layered on from the time we're super little. And really, I, I really, in my case, I blame the education system for a lot of it. Oh, listen, I, in the kin, in kindergarten, I found my, because my mother kept everything. Yeah. So I found my kindergarten report card and <sighs> it wrote down that I had a problem with scissors. Uh, I, scissors. I was like, really? <laughs> now I know where this all comes from. The My sister from Mount St. Ursula said, I couldn't use scissors. Well, that's it. <laughs> oh my God. What are you five at that point? And you're criticizing my use of scissors during arts and crafts. Oh. So then I, for years I had this thing that, well, I'm just not good at arts and crafts then. And I was like, I was five. Okay. You know, and, and I laugh at, at it now. Cause now I'm like, I let that stop me all these years. I know. And I mean, that's such a tragedy. Yeah. I didn't do art for 15 years. I mean, I, I was a self-identified non-creative person, non-artist for 15 years. Yeah. It's, 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 it's really crazy tragedy. that way. I would never draw. Yeah. Because I, I, I thought I, I couldn't draw well. Oh yeah, I am quite sure that's the majority of humans yeah. on the planet. Which, like, if you ask any four-year-old, "Are you an artist? Are you who's an artist who draws?" and they all raise their hands and jump up and down. Yep. Because, like, put a crayon in your hand and you draw. Yep. And that's what my doodles are now. It's it's a it's a reclaiming of that. Yeah. And of course, the reality is anybody can be taught if you want the skill of drawing more quote-unquote realistically people can be taught that skill it's a skill it's not like you either know it or you don't know it which is what i used to think it's right. not that and, or i was waiting for a teacher 
Mm-hmm. Oh, when I when I have time to take a class, that then I'll do it. Um, so you're always waiting for a teacher to tell you that you're better. And the worst thing about it is, well, my folks didn't think that the creative life was proper you know, for a girl. So that was a whole other thing. So I became an art history minor just to say mm-hmm. the heck with them. So I worked in IT, but I have a degree in, uh, I have my minor is art history wow. and, and photography just to kind of poke at the, <laughs> poke at the system a little bit. You know. But yeah, just the whole idea of being a Renaissance and the other thing was you would hear that you're a Renaissance man. So oh, right. Always a man. Always a man. So it was, and even the, the hero's journey was always a man. Male. Yep. male. And so, you know, female, you're just supposed to fit in this, in this box. And that's why kind of the, the process I've been going through since I, I heard you was like, I don't have to be in a box anymore. Yeah. I don't have to, I really don't have to do that. I have a voice and it's worth hearing. Yes. You know, that's, that's the big thing. It's like, yeah, I, I, yeah, people might want to hear what I have to say. That is such a revelation to understand that. (laughs) Mind blowing. Yeah. Yes. It really is mind blowing. It took me so long to get that because I, I, for the longest time, I think I really believed that nobody would, that, that there wasn't value in my voice and what I had to say, unless it was, you know, unless I had, either I had to be perfect or I had to achieve some you know, incredibly high, high, supreme level of mastery. Right. And now, several years ago now, I came to the realization, this was mind-blowing, that actually my biggest value is simply bringing my full self to the table. And then it doesn't have to do with technical mastery or some, you know, researching something to death or perfection or something like that. That is, it is truly bringing my full authentic self to the table. That was like, wait, what? That, that was huge. Understanding yeah. that. It was it's amazing because I can, I can research something to death. Mm. <laughs> if you look at my Pinterest boards, oh, God, uh, they're huge. Uh, <laughs> now ask me how many I've done. You know? um, so I will definitely research something until all the flavor is taken out of it. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. The, but, you know, I've, I've had glimmers of leaping in. Uh, into something creative, but then when I don't do it well, I back out of it. Yeah, so, yeah. So it's like, oh, this looks like, oh, this looks horrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, that's me, absolutely. But but what is that? That's your Kremlins. 
Yes. I mean, that was what, that was what made me completely stop writing back in 1994. Stopped writing for 15 years. Yeah. 14, 15 years, something like that. I don't remember the exact number of years. And that was what made me stop making art when I was 13. And I didn't do art for 15 years until I was 28. That, you know, that's, that's the gremlins and the gremlins lie. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. They really do. I didn't realize how it was affecting, how much it was affecting my creativity until I started listening for them. Because yes. it so insidiously that you don't even realize that it's happened to you. No. You've already been put on a, a different path and you didn't even realize how it happened, when it happened, or where it happened. Exactly. And You just uh, accept it as truth. Yeah. Yeah. You just think that it's your own, your own thoughts and it's really... It is, but it's still part of the gremlins that are that are holding you back, and you know that's why I I sent them to the nail salon. I think that was one of my yes. <laughs> that was one of my doodles for you because <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to you on creative habits, and uh, I was like, oh, she's talking about the gremlins, and then that picture just came in my head. And that was it. I had to come home and, and doodle the, uh, the gremlins going to get their pedicures. I love it. That's why I'm such a believer in sharing my imperfect work. I mean, and we have this, this incredible ability nowadays to put our work out there in a forum that's, you know, unprecedented. We, we've never had this ability before in history, right? We can put our, oh, yeah. you know, our it, work in progress out there, our work that we're only doing for ourselves. We have no intention of selling it. We have no intention. We're just doing it for play, whatever. We can share it with people now. It's amazing, right? And uh, the reason that I have this practice, it's, and it's a, it's a fine line because it's a medium that by definition is designed to trigger our dopamine and to get us comparing ourselves with other people, right? So it's a very dangerous medium. Yes. I'm very about who I follow. Yeah. Oh yeah. Which is important. But, you know, so, so if you share, it would be very easy to share and go, Oh, Oh, how many likes do I have? How many likes do I have? Am I okay? Am I okay? Am I getting validated? Am I getting validated? which is basically feeding a bottom, trying to feed a bottomless pit. And that is only going to make things worse. It's not going to help anything at all. However, my practice is to essentially, it's an improv practice. It's a, it's make, make an offer and let it go, make an offer and let it go. And not, it's not about the outcome. It's, you know, think process, not product essentially. Right. So I put it out there. And with the strong mind, mindful intention of, I am putting this out there and it is not about whether I'm going to get likes or not. Now, this is, this is challenging. I'm not going to lie because I still have an ego (laughs) and I still have 
the comparison trap is my biggest, is still my biggest gremlin. So this is, I am walking into the lion's den as I do this. However, the, the intention here is to put it out there and let it go. And what this allows me to do then is when I get responses and people, strangers, Mm -hmm. friends, strangers, particularly strangers actually, you know, take the time and energy to lift their thumbs and tap that like button, then it enables me, especially when it's a piece that I think, well, that's a piece of crap. It enables me to take off my gremlin glasses and look at my imperfect, crappy, self-defined, crappy work through their neutral glasses and see it instead of through my gremlin glasses, see it as if it were the work of somebody else. And that is transformative. When I can look at my work as if I'm seeing somebody else's work, that's profound. Because somebody else has seen value in my work. Otherwise, why would they tap the like button? I'm not famous. So it's not like they're trying to curry favor with me. They see some value in it. So there must be value there in, for, for them to see that. Now, of course, I could, I, I have another option. I could say they're lame, they're stupid, they, they have lousy taste, whatever. I could go there, mm-hmm. but that, that doesn't help me. So the other option is to go, they must see, there must be value in there because they see some value. So I'm going to take that at, at I'm going to assume that that's accurate. They see some value. It's all subjective anyway. What is the value that they see? Let me see if I can find it by looking at it through their neutral glasses instead of through my own gremlin glasses. And that's transformative when you can see your work that way. Right. It's interesting too, because I was curious on your take because I do have a lot of friends who are creatives and everybody, when I start doing something just for fun, everybody wants to monetize it. Oh, so you're going to sell that? Yes. No, you really should sell that. No, you're going to take all the joy out of it. You're going to suck the joy out of it. And then I stop because I'm like, no, I don't want to, I don't want another job. I just, I do (laughs) this for me. Uh, So, I mean, I guess you must get that too, since you've been an artist. Do you have people, you know, saying, even though you're trying to do this just for you? So, yeah, that's a really tricky subject. And I I don't think that it's impossible Mm -hmm. to monetize something that you do for fun. And I I don't think that's impossible. I think it is possible to take something that you do for fun and monetize it and still, you know, and still have fun doing it and not destroy it. It's challenging. I think that you have to be extremely careful and I think that you have to build uh, defenses around it. And I think it's especially, especially important that you build sacred, sacred creative sandbox time somewhere into your practice where you are creating where commerce does not enter. Right. Where the thoughts of impressing other people of making money from what you create absolutely does not enter. It has to be like a sealed, a hermetically sealed zone where thoughts of commerce are going to pop up and you have to keep sending them away like they're gremlins. Right. 
it, it that is so essential because otherwise you're going to burn out. So you you have to like build walls, like be a bodyguard. Right. So that's that's absolutely essential. Um, I have chosen at this juncture to separate art and commerce. Mm-hmm. But there are certain kinds of creative, create certain types of creativity that I do that are purely for me. Mm-hmm. That when I'm creating them, when I'm, when I'm creating in those ways, I, I a commerce does not enter. Right after I've created, if somebody were to come along and say, "I want to buy that thing from you," I want to pay you money for that thing. Yeah, then we can talk. But I will not make something for pay that those types of creativity. Yeah, because I like experimenting with these. I'm always doing a mashup of things and I uh, I enjoy being a student to the muse. Absolutely. And, and I'm always And again, that might be a gremlin. Maybe it's a gremlin that I'm afraid that the muse is going to go tripsing away <laughs> because um because now I'm, I'm, I can't go where it wants to go because it may have further to go. Yeah. And again, it's, it's, it's just a really weird place to be in because I've never allowed myself to be creative. So now I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> I don't know how to yeah. play with it. Yeah. Well, I think the most important thing is to stay really mindful I, I recently went through this. I've been playing with visual communication, graphic recording, graphic facilitation, that whole field, mm-hmm. and playing around with doing it essentially for fun for me as something that would have a business purpose, but that I would be bringing into paid workshops that I'm running, not as a graphic record, not as graphic recording as like somebody's. I wouldn't be the person that somebody would hire to stand with my back to a group of people recording what somebody else is doing as like the silent partner in a room. That's not something that I had any plans of doing, but that I would be facilitating a workshop. And as part of my toolbox, I would have, I would also bring in the ability to draw and write on a whiteboard or a, a big sheet of paper or whatever, that that would just be one of my, added, you know, value adds that I could bring to the, you know, bring to the workshop or whatever. And, and then I, I was doing these, uh, I was, I was recording podcasts as a way to practice. I was doing visual show notes of podcasts and people really liked them. And I was getting a lot of comments and some people wanted to pay me to do their podcasts or do, um, do their somehow visually document their business in some way. And I started to panic because yeah. <laughs> I didn't quite know how to do that without it turning into a graphic design job, which makes me want to puke. <laughs> so yeah, so it's it. I, I've been str- really kind of wrestling with that myself. Yep, and figuring out what I want to do with it. Because we're in this, we're in the society right now in the business world of the side gig or the side hustle. Right, and so it's easy to fall down that rabbit hole. 
it's like an added pressure to be doing something. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah you really don't need because you have your core business. Right. And this is what I do. You know, I, I've been a photographer. I've been taking pictures since I was seven years old. And I stopped for a long time because I had a, <laughs> I took it in college and I had a, a college professor basically brutalize the, you know, your compositions off, all of this kind of stuff. And it, by the time I was done, I was like, oh, dear God, I, I am horrible. <laughs> oh, my God. And I put down the camera. Except to take pictures of my daughter, I put down the camera and, until I was almost 40. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so from so 23 to just about 40 years old, I took no pictures. Oh. And um, so I, that's why I'm wondering, is it a gremlin or is it something that because I did without it for so long that I want to hold it someplace dear? It's just so much learning right now because we don't accept creativity as anything other than, oh, that's nice and, and move on. Or that's, you have to be a perfect artist. You have to be like uh, something you would see in the Met. You know, living in New York, right. I get to go see all these artists and, and walk through museums and it's intimidating then when you want to go home and do something yourself. Right. right. Yeah. And my, I feel like my, one of my purposes for being on the planet is to give people back the permission to, you know, doodle. <laughs> like, yeah. yes, you get to be an artist. You don't have to be hanging in the Met or right. the Louvre or the Musée d'Orsay where I just was in Paris. Like, Yes, there are artists who are hanging there, and you also are an artist. Pick up a crayon, right? Pick up a guitar, or or a ukulele, or a harmonica, or tap on your you know pick up some chopsticks and tap on your kitchen counter or whatever. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> I I find it interesting because I saw my daughter going through the same thing mm. at school. And I just, all these sirens went off in my head and I kept giving her, you know, art supplies and that kind of thing. And I'm like, just do anything. Just put anything down there. So now she's seeing me do it. And now she's starting to do it because she's oh. 27 now. So, you know, hopefully we can get, put some of the gremlins to bed a little bit because it is, it's good for the mind. Yes. Well, that's something that I've, I've noticed is that unless people are so stuck that they project their own distress onto their children, mm -hmm. I like, I can't have it. So therefore you can't have it either. Right. Most people that I've, that I work with get it when they, they want their kids to have more access to creativity than they have right. been able to have. 
So they understand that they have a hard time giving it to themselves, but something clicks for them when they see that when they can't give it to themselves, that's modeling for their children that their children don't get to have it either. Right. But if they do give it to themselves, that's modeling for their children that their children get to have it. Right. And what's interesting too is that I find that my both of us that our problem solving skills then improve because you're able to think outside the box. Absolutely. You know, and, and that's, and that's the part that people don't get it. Right. You you don't have to be perfect, but if you want to think outside the box, you've got to get those, those juices going and, uh, you know, or like Hercule Perrault, the little gray cells need to be moving around. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's no coincidence that creativity, like general creativity and creativity as in artistic creativity, that the word is common to both of them. If you want your team in business, you know, if you want your business to be more innovative, guess what? You've got to you've got to be more creative. And if you want to be more creative, the best way to do that <laughs> is yep. to bring in all kinds of right. creativity. Yep. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Which allows people to make mistakes. Uh, <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> you know, um, you get into a mindset that making mistakes are a bad thing, and instead of uh, being a teaching tool. Uh, when I used to teach kids how to um, work on the computer, I, I'd be like, if you do not make mistakes, you're not taking a chance. Yeah. And in this room, we take chances. And be, and they it would, because they would always be asking me, well, what do I do next? I'm like, well, this is your project, your creative project. There is no wrong answer. Just Just do it. I will be happy as long as you just do something and let's see where this goes. You were embodying the creative sandbox way guideposts before I even knew it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's because they're universal principles. Uh, It's not like I invented them. (laughs) No, there's just certain universal truths. Go play. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's, but I needed somebody to give me permission. I, I know. Well, which we is what the red background circle of how this whole thing started for me. You know, yeah. I now have per- permission to go play. For do you, do you happen to have your permission slip that you created handy? Do you happen to have that nearby? Uh, hold on a second. <laughs> I have to put my eyes on. <laughs> <laughs> I am over fifty. Okay, my. I permission- understand only too well. Okay. Uh, my permission slipped to me. Uh, you have permission to be imperfect, not to know it all, be messy, do more than one thing, be curious, be creative without monetizing it, go where my imagination takes me, go outside the lines, be a student. From me. <laughs> I love that so much. Oh my God. It just like, like all this tension just 
drained out of me listening to that. Yeah, it's uh, it's so important that um, at some point that we have to give ourselves permission to do that. Yeah, exactly. And it, it it's made it's made a difference, a big difference in how I look at things in the in the past few months because we I've been doing this since. I guess since August, I think I heard it in August. Wow. So. God, it just seems like so much has expanded for you. It has. It really, really has. And it started kind of expanding a little bit into things that I haven't done since I was a kid, like writing. I hadn't written. I started writing poetry. I haven't done that since middle school. Wow. And it trying to write music, never done that. I was like, you know, I'm great at singing other people's works. Who would want to hear what I have to say? Oh. And, yeah. And uh, so, I, you know, I wrote a couple of songs and then I did the same thing. And I, instead of putting it on Instagram, I went to an open mic. I was like, okay, well. Grabbed my guitar and uh, went to an open mic and put my let myself be scared a little bit. Wow, that's fantastic! Now I know you you've been a singer for a long time, right? You sing in a band. Yeah, I've sang in uh, I've sang in bands. I've been singing everything from choral music when I was a kid, competition choral uh, to through rock bands. I sang in a eighteen piece swing band for. Oh, about 17 years. Wow. Uh, I picked up guitar. I picked up a guitar a few years ago because I was trying to get over the thought. I dated, never dated a guitar player. I dated <laughs> a guitar player. Too late. Too late. <laughs> I uh, dated a couple guitar players. <laughs> yeah, I married one too. But this one was like, oh my God, you're horrible. You know? And, uh, yes. And he, because he was like, oh, he goes, you're a great singer. And I was 18. I I was so impressed. I I didn't pick up the guitar again. So I I start when I turned 50. My dad gave me a guitar. And, wow! And so I st- I started taking uh, guitar lessons. But what was funny was I I sang a song and recorded it. And I sent it to him because he was living in Arkansas. And the first thing he did was critique the guitar. Oh. Like, Dude, really? <laughs> oh, like, my happy, God. Like, happy Father's Day. Dang it. But, um, but this time I didn't let it stop. And again, it was at 50. I was like, well, I don't care. And I continued on. You have a few more tools at 50 than you did at 18. Right. So if we can, you know, get younger people to get to that point and just continue on. And remember, you're only a student. You're allowed Mm. to make mistakes as a student. And if you always consider yourself a student, then you give yourself permission to explore and make mistakes. And and I think that's that's been the biggest lesson. That's why the last thing on my permission slip was be a student. Yeah. I love that. I'm I'm designing right now a program for teams and organizations 
on cultivating a culture of creativity. Yeah. And it's all about, I mean, it's all about all the stuff in my creative sandbox, like guideposts, but it's all about creating a, a, a safe environment, yeah. you know, safe to make mistakes. That's basically what it comes down to, which yeah. is, which is what the creative sandbox way guideposts are all about. A safe environment in your head. If you're an individual <laughs> and a safe environment on your team, if yeah. you're an organization, you know? Yeah. And even in the classroom. Yes. You know, that's, that's the first place that you're indoctrinated in act in acting in a society and it's amazing how much is killed because it's great to make a mistake. You know, you have all of that that you're competing with and it just really takes one off the cuff um, remark and it could just stop everything. And it was off the cuff. And yeah, I, yeah, it's crazy. I don't think I, I I was just thinking about, like I don't, I don't know that I ever really felt safe in a classroom. No, <laughs> my like entire school career, I don't think I ever felt safe. Well, that you know, I realize now I was always a daydreamer, and daydreamers are not allowed in the classroom. That's mm-hmm. even put on your report card, right? She's right. a bit of a daydreamer, and she likes to talk, as we can see right now. <laughs> Which is great for a podcast. If you didn't like to talk, this would be really boring. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, I mean, forget it. I'd be stuck in the corner usually. <laughs> We're just going to move your desk again, Miss Rowley. <laughs> oh, my God. So, but, uh, yeah, that's... Uh, well, I wanted to ask you... So you, obviously, I'm imagining you at this open mic after you've written a couple of songs to share and, and you had written a a poem as well. And I don't know if you shared it at the open mic at that same open mic or not, but you, you clearly, you've had years of experience as a singer, as have I, and I like, I, it doesn't scare me to sing in public anymore. It certainly did when I started, but it, it doesn't anymore. But you mentioned that it, it was scary for you to share, to share the songs. What, tell me what that was like. It was so weird because uh, one of them was very, it was from an emotional place. And so now I'm putting my words out there. Yeah. And, and it, it's called Never Enough. And it's about different relationships that I've had and always feeling like I'm never enough. Mm. That is more, it makes you feel more naked than you do singing somebody else's work. Yeah. You know, because you, I've seen, sang Leonard Cohen and I've sang things that made people in the audience cry and, and, but that's somebody else's words. Yeah. And that's maybe, maybe I'm feeling those emotions. Like when I sing, I'll be seeing you. I sing that when my mother uh, was dying. And so, yes, that was emotional, but it wasn't my words. Yeah. I was still behind a cur- curtain. Yeah. Behind a mask. Yes, like you're a person, you're taking on a character. Correct. And then when you do your own, when I put my own out there, I had to take my mask off. Yeah. And I'm very good at my mask uh, and hiding behind my mask and being, having the proper mask for the proper situation. Yeah. 
And uh, one of my doodles in the beginning was uh, taking all, I had a series of masks on the wall of all different situations. And then when the last mask was coming off, the face had no features. I remember that one. Because I didn't, I don't know who that person is. And then writing the song, I was terrified about that. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, that was, that was a, a form of bravery that was very, very different for me because I am comfortable singing. Yeah. And at that point, I'd been playing guitar for a few years, so I was comfortable doing that. But, okay, now you're going to see me. Mm. See what my feelings are and see what my emotional playground is. That is usually something that you keep private to yourself. And now you've let somebody into your, into beyond your borders. And now this is what I look like. And it's not pretty. Oh, wow. And can you not be pretty? Because right now we're told to be pretty. (laughs) My grandmother would be like, never leave the house without lipstick. You know, (laughs) that kind of thing. And so now here I am, makeup off, lipstick off. This is what it looks like. And can you still like me even though I'm showing this to you? Wow. And some people couldn't. And some people were like, do you really feel like that? I'm like, every single day. Wow. And Mm. uh, yeah, it was an eye opener. And my daughter heard me sing it. And she's like, wow, mom, is that, she goes, that's something like you would feel when you're my age. I'm like, honey, you never grow out of that. (laughs) You really, really don't. And it's, it's an opening when you can get beyond that. And I don't know when you do get beyond that, at least for me. There are some women out there that I'm like, wow. I mean, they've got, they're willing to be so vulnerable. And that's, that's the whole thing. I still have my guards up and I'm not willing to be as vulnerable as I have in these past few months. Sounds like you were very vulnerable sharing that song. Yeah. Yeah. And it was was like, Oh, do I do this? I don't know. And yes, but are you, are you glad you did it? Yes. Yes. You know, and I don't mind now telling my story as much because you're always supposed to keep quiet and never tell. You know, a lot of us have secrets that we're never allowed to tell. And it's just very freeing to not have to hold them. Oh my God. Yeah. Anymore. So yes, it was frightening, but it was very liberating. Wow. All at the same time. And, you know, even some of the doodles, like um, the one with me sitting inside a broken heart. Mm. You know, because I have lost so many people. And um, can I learn to sit mindfully inside the broken heart and not fill it up with, oh, I'm going to watch TV. I'm going to watch a podcast. I'm going to, you know, listen to a podcast. I'm going to do all these things and keep so busy that I can't sit with the emotion. And that's, that's been the other freeing part of this whole thing is also being given permission to express the emotions that had to be sealed behind 
Mm. an iron curtain somewhere. Wow. And that it's not ugly. There's something beautiful within the broken pieces. Uh, When I started looking around, I started uh, seeing the the whole thing about, what is it, wabi-sabi? Mm-hmm. And the whole idea of kritsugi, if I'm not pronouncing it correctly, but how they mend broken uh, pottery yeah. with, with gold because yeah. it's the broken pieces that give it character. Yep. And it's how the light comes in, as Leonard Cohen says. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and that you use gold to make it more precious. Yeah. The cracks. So that's this whole thing has kind of opened that. When I went to North Carolina on vacation, again, just seeing the ocean and just, again, having that permission to just kind of let the creativity loose uh, really started a lot for me. Wow. Yeah, it was, uh, it's been an altering past few months for me. You know, um, your story about sharing your song was so, I love hearing that. It made me think about when I first started writing songs, my, my songs are, are much less uh, emotionally charged, might be a good word. <laughs> <laughs> I did write one sort of uh, love song for my mm-hmm. husband, but all of my other songs pretty much are, are very sort of sardonic, funny songs. Yeah. But it's still, it's very different to sing a song that I wrote yes. as opposed to, I'm still putting on a character, but compared to singing a song that somebody else wrote. And for me, it was a profoundly different experience, but the, the difference for me was that it toned down my comparison trap gremlins quite a lot yeah. because Although as a jazz singer, the the idea is to make the song, I mean, really as any singer, unless you're like doing a cover band and you're trying to sound like the cover artist or something like that. The idea is to make a song your own and to really, you know, stand out as a different version, you know, make it your own version of a song. I still had a very hard time feeling like I could ever be able to compete, right? right? Singing, you know, whatever the song was when Ella Fitzgerald had done it or Diana Krall had done it or Carmen McRae had done it or whatever. Oh, I know, I know. You know, oh. and, which is stupid, but there it was. And then when I started writing my own songs, something in me relaxed and I was able to just sort of let go because even knowing that some amazing singer might someday sing my song and do a version of it that, you know, maybe, who knows, in some fantastical world might get on the radio and become super popular and nobody would ever hear my version of it. Still, it's my song. I wrote it. And something about that let my ego just relax a little bit. So I don't know that, and, and it was scary in that I didn't know if other people would resonate with the song, would like the song, whatever, but I like the song. Right. And so that was, you know, and that's the reason to make stuff, right? Because it gives you pleasure to create it. And 
you know, I, I would make it and tweak it and work on it until I was happy with it. So that was a really empowering experience for me. Yes. Well, it's funny because my mom's side is uh, Latina. So of course, all of those songs are just they they speak of longing and they it's like an opera, <laughs> you know. It's all this, so um, you know you get used to that kind of music, but uh, for me to be, everybody sees me as a very happy-go-lucky, stoic person. I am the lighthouse that everybody goes to. Mm. I've got it all, and so to put out there, no, I'm not really like that. Mm. I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. It's 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 fine thinking about it. It's fine talking about it in my own living room. But now I'm going to go out there and do it. I'm like, oh, okay. So for you, it was a matter of this particular song put out there in the world that you are a different have different things going on inside of you than than you had projected yes the world so yeah. that was the the big scary thing yeah you know it's um she sits alone in the darkness daddy's little girl black and blue broken promises someone should have heard but the but the message is born way deep inside why am i never enough Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was, and it's just all relationships right up till today. And so that was, um, and it was funny because when the last person, he happened to be there that night and I saw him look up at me. I'm like, yeah, that's you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, you know, just to to have that conversation. There's something about art that allows conversations. Whether the person is there or not, you are still having the conversation, and that's where the healing can come in. Yeah. Yes. Is having that conversation. Yeah, there is definitely something profound about art's ability to allow us to communicate in ways that we can't just through words. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's definitely interesting. Even the photography, you know, just, you can be different and you can show the world something different just by changing the point of view or how close you're with it. You can, Use a photograph to document, or you can paint with light. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. So, but that's that's it in a in a nutshell is just allow giving yourself the permission to be raw, to be real, to be a student, and it's okay. It's okay to screw up. It's okay not to be perfect. You know, it's okay to be the lotus in the muddy water. Oh, what a beautiful closing statement. (laughs) (laughs) 
without trying. <laughs> Gorgeous. So did you bring a uh, something cool to share? You don't, I mean, it doesn't have to be a physical thing, but did you, do you have something cool to, to share? You know what? I didn't even think of that at the moment. The only thing I will say is if you are ever in New York, you have to come visit the Peekskill Riverfront, which is one of the most beautiful places to see the Hudson River, which I adore. And especially be there for the sunset and try the taco room. It is unbelievable. Well, that sounds like an awesome something cool. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> Excellent. Well, you're welcome out in New York anytime. I love it. Well, my something cool this week is food related. It is a food item. Uh, I was tempted to say chickpeas in general because I think chickpeas are just a miracle food. But specifically, because I've shared various different chickpea items in the past, specifically, I am just loving this discovery that I figured out. Okay, so I have been eating a lot of tuna salad lately, but I don't use mayonnaise because I don't eat eggs. Okay. Because I have a, a sensitivity to eggs. So I have been looking for vegan mayonnaise and I, but most of the vegan mayonnaises have, um, something in them. Oh, I think it's mustard. I'm also, mustard is one of my food items that I can't eat cause it's toxic to me. So there was one vegan mayonnaise that I was eating for a while, but then I discovered that it had, I think it's grapeseed oil or something like that in it, which is, I haven't read Genius Foods, but the guy who wrote Genius Foods, I heard him on a podcast on the Jordan Harbinger Show podcast, and he was sharing that grapeseed oil and soybean oil and corn oil and all those oils are actually really, really, really bad for you. And the only oils that you should actually ever have are olive oil, avocado oil, and coconut oil. And all the other oils, because of the way they're processed, they have like hexane and I don't know, all sorts of horrible crap in them that will actually kill your brain, like give you Alzheimer's, like bad. He says, avoid them like the plague. So I'm like, how do I make my tuna salad? And then it suddenly occurred to me, why don't I try mixing it with hummus? And I get this eggplant hummus from Trader Joe's because mm. I'm usually too lazy to make my own hummus. I, I think I shared in a previous uh, podcast episode uh, a hummus that I make that um, is very easy, but I'm usually too lazy to make it. So anyway, I get this chickpea hummus from Trader Joe's. That's a, It's an eggplant hummus. It doesn't have any soybean oil or anything. Yeah. It's, it's like, I don't know. I don't remember the ingredients, but no bad oils in it. Right. And I just mix that with tuna. And I get the special kind of tuna that is line, caught one at a time with a line, fishing yep. line, no nets, so it doesn't kill dolphins, da, 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 whatever. So, and it's really good. Oh, wow. So that's my something cool. Use hummus instead of mayonnaise, make your tuna salad. And I love Trader Joe's. <laughs> I know. Trader Joe's could be its own something cool. Exactly. <laughs> So, right. so where can people find you, Anne-Marie? 
Uh, I am on Instagram at uh, Musica, N-Y-S. So like the Spanish word for music. And of course, I am a native New Yorker, so it's NYS. You can also see, if you want to hear some of the music, uh, if you look for Anne-Marie Rowley on YouTube, you'll hear some of the music there. And on SoundCloud, you can hear some of the big band music. Uh, also, Anne-Marie Rowley. Awesome. Do you happen to have that, that song that you wrote recorded anywhere? Uh, yes, I can, uh, I can send you a link to that if you want to put it in the show notes. That'd be fabulous. I would love to put that in the show notes. Thank you. Oh my gosh, Anne-Marie, I have so much fun. Oh my God. I know, hasn't it? I, I would just love to keep talking to you forever. Thank you so much for coming on the show. You are an utter delight. Oh, and thank you for asking me. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's been so fun. Thank you. Thank you. And I look forward to talking to you again sometime. Okay. Be great. All right. Talk to you later. Alrighty. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. That's it. That's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Anne-Marie Rowley. Let me know if you resonated and connect with me on LinkedIn or direct message me on Instagram. And before you go, as a reminder... I'm holding a free virtual play day on Saturday, this Saturday, November 17th, and you are invited. I'm celebrating my birthday, which was on the 5th, but this is when I'm celebrating this Saturday, November 17th, by making art and streaming it live on DoodleCam and inviting everyone to join me. Come watch, listen to me talk about my process, come make art alongside me and ask any questions you might have. And a bunch of my Creative Sandbox community members are going to be there. So you will get a chance to meet some of them too. But spots are limited and you do need to register in advance. And this is a live only experience. I will not be sending out a recording because... Yeah, it's just not the same. Make an art side by side. If I'm on a recording, it's live. So go right now to virtualplayday.com to sign up. That's virtualplayday.com. And I will see you there. And don't forget, this Sunday after Thanksgiving, November 25th, is a Creative Sandbox Play Day in person in Silicon Valley. So Yeah, you can only attend that one if you are actually going to be in Silicon Valley. It's in Palo Alto, California. And you can go to creativesandboxplayday.com to sign up for that. creativesandboxplayday.com. So that's it. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, 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 totally forgot. If you are getting value out of this podcast, please do share it with a friend and please do take a moment, hop on over to iTunes, the Apple podcast player, if you are on a mobile device and leave a rating and review. If you don't know how to do that, I've got you covered. Just go to creativesandboxway.com slash iTunes hyphen review. That's creativesandboxway.com slash iTunes dash review for step-by-step instructions for how to leave your rating and review. Just a sentence or two is all I ask. Why you like the show, why you listen, what you get out of it. The reason that I ask for you to do this is because this is how you help other people find the show. 
this is how you actually help make a difference in the world. And if you email me to let me know that you left a review and how the podcast has made a difference in your life, you could be a listener spotlight, just like Anne-Marie Rowley, because that's how I consider people for the listener spotlight. That's how you apply. If I pick you, we'll have a really fun, relaxed conversation, just like I did with Anne-Marie, and you'll get to be featured on the podcast. Super duper cool. And really, truly, leaving a review in iTunes is so important because when people search for a new podcast to listen to, podcasts with more positive reviews, not just the star ratings, but, you know, sentences <laughs> that say what they people like about the podcast, those podcasts pop up higher in the search results. And so that's how people find new podcasts to listen to. So it really makes a big difference. So I would be so appreciative if you would leave a review if you haven't already. If you have already, I am eternally grateful. Thank you. Thank you so much. And if you haven't, go do it. CreativeSandboxWay.com slash iTunes hyphen review, iTunes dash review. Thank you in advance. And that's it. Until next time. Thanks again for joining me. I hope to see you at the virtual play day, virtualplayday.com. And go get creating. Subscribe at creative sandboxway.com slash podcast.